Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time, so we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, the podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood history. My name is Corey. And my name is Jeff. Jeff, how are you doing before this episode starts? <laughs> I'm doing fine before the episode starts. I, just, I usually say tonight, and clearly the people listening aren't listening always at night. You know, you know, Corey, uh, I'm going to tell you. Know, I'm going to I'm gonna date us. Okay? Oh. Usually we don't, put stuff, we don't put stuff on the uh, podcast that puts a date stamp on it. Sure. But I'm very, very, very excited right now because I watched History in the Making just now. Oh. For someone on a on a movie podcast to yeah. see the actual Jamaican bobsled team do their first run in 24 years, I was fucking ecstatic. Did they did they do the the like They kissed the egg. Give me they said feel the rhythm. Feel, no, they didn't do any of that. But they did come in last. Watch out, boys. Was, they came in last, which was very sad. But I mean, look, the fact that a Jamaican team shows up at all and, and can compete is, is you a know feat sad in and of is, itself. That's literally what the commentators were saying. Well, I mean, there's no snow in Jamaica. Like for I them know, to compete but in the winter sport is I is phenomenal. I want them to place, man. I want them to to do good. Anyway, yeah. moving on. Let's move on to the news. Ooh, what is on the TV, Jeff. Well, right now, if you don't, if you haven't kept up with the news lately, there's been a lot of remakes in the television world. And I know this yeah. is a movie podcast, but lately, if you've been paying attention to any of the streaming services, there's been a lot of remakes. For me, I have seen Bel Air. Oh, the Fresh Prince remake. Yes, Bel Air was the remake of the original Fresh Prince of Bel Air. It is done by Will Smith. Yeah. He's a, a executive producer or something on it, right? Yeah. yeah. And I have to say, now, if anybody is planning on watching this, you are not going to have any comedy in this show. What? This there's, show is There's no Carlton not, dance? There's no Carlton dance. In fact, Carlton in this show will surprise everybody. Really? Because Carlton is an evil little punk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Carlton. He's, he's uh, just like the TV show. He's no, a young Carlton Republican. No, Carlton in this one is a- Oh, I uh, snuck that in. Huh? <laughs> I said, yeah, he's 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 just like his counterpart on on the television, the uh, comedy television show. He's a young Republican. <laughs> <laughs> it's very good, but it's not comedy. So if you're interested in seeing the old Fresh Prince Bel Air, it's a way different spin on it. But I think it's really good because they don't do the same. It's not the same vibe at all. So yeah, like that's part of my hesitation. <laughs> Aside from the fact that I don't have Peacock, the just get Peacock. I'm, I don't. I'm we deba- had this problem I'm two st- weeks ago. I'm still debating it, Jeff. I'm still debating it. Yeah, when when I heard that they were remaking French Prince Bel Air for uh, a new age, I was like, oh, cool. They'll, it'll be a maybe like a single camera comedy. Uh, it's not that. There was previews all over the Super Bowl. Uh, this Peacock original series. Yeah, it actually dropped that night too. Bel Air. Oh, did it? Oh, okay. Three episodes dropped the night of the Super Bowl. That makes sense. And then the first episode dropped uh, on the seventeenth, Thursday the seventeenth, which ah. was the fourth episode. And then now it'll be every Thursday. Okay. And they're hour-long episodes. They're yeah, it's it's a good show. So yeah, I, I from the previews I realized, oh, this is like a serious show. Yeah, it's not funny at all. <laughs> There's not comedy. It's a drama for sure. Yeah, and so I was I was like, I'm I'm glad that I heard that I saw the preview 
Because if I had gone into this show thinking like, remake a Fresh Prince the way that they did Say by the Bell, I would have walked into Bel Air just like gobsmacked. Like, what the way? Why was not prepared for this? No, I mean, it's a serious drama. Yeah. It's, it, it, it tackles social issues. It goes over some stuff that, um, yeah, I mean, it's, but it's a good show. Well, I'm I'm glad that that it's a good show. You're saying it's a good show. It's a great show, and uh, as our news wraps up here, uh, it's it's really refreshing to see a show that is a remake of an old show that I want to watch. You know mm. what I mean? Um, I don't know, Corey. Do you always feel that remakes are well? So okay, yes. The it depends because there's a lot of criticism that comes around. I, I feel like every couple of years where like Twitter explodes into Hollywood doesn't have any original ideas. It's only remakes, blah, 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 blah. And yes, that's true. But but has it always been that way? Yeah. Hollywood has always been remaking shit. I mean, the Wizard of Oz was remade like 18 times before we even got to the 1939 version that we know and love. Well, even before that, we absolutely know that there's been Remakes in movie history, even in the late 19th century. So there's always been remakes out there. Well, and it's like Hollywood often readapts plays and books all the time. But those are like like when Harry Potter came out. Nobody was crying like, you're just going to remake a book? No. Of course there's ideas that are getting recycled and returned into this medium. They're constantly having to output films. Well, Corey, do you know what the first completed Hollywood movie was? Hint, it is not in Old California like most people think. Trivia time. I have no idea. It was The Count of Monte Cristo. Really? Yes. Wow. That's interesting. And that movie was a remake of a 1908 film of Count of Monte Cristo. (laughs) Yes, The Count of Monte Cristo is an old story. (laughs) Yes, but it's a remake of a movie that was made... As one of as like the first movie that ever opened in a Hollywood theater ever. So the first movie to debut in Hollywood was a remake. <laughs> <laughs> so you so, know what? Hello? I mean, just saying, folks. Uh, pff, there's a long history of Hollywood doing remakes, and and honestly, like, I I think the problem is that a lot of remakes are remakes that didn't necessarily need to happen, right? Like if they ever remake Back to the Future, Jeff. For example, like uh, I would not watch it. You but. don't need to remake that. Like it's already really good on its own as a piece of the time that it it came from. It's timeless. Maybe remake Back to the Future Part Three. Sh- sure, or you know, continue the story on. It's all of space and time. <laughs> like, just keep going with it. You know, new new character. Doc finds somebody else on, along the way, and pff, we move on with the story. Well, you know, we were guests on a podcast recently. We were, we were. We were on the Yesteryear Ballyhoo Review with our new friend, Zach Eastman. And Zach, we have to thank Zach again. Uh, for It was so much fun. Hopefully, by the time this episode is out, you will have probably already heard because we promoted the shit out of it. So go definitely check out that episode. But tonight, we are going to get to the subject matter. Corey, you wanted to talk specifically about remakes, about how much you like the remakes, yeah? Yeah, look, remakes are fine. Sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. I'm, I'm going to, tonight, I'd like to argue on behalf of some great remakes. So you think remakes can be great, though? I think they can be good. And in fact, I think sometimes there are remakes that overshadow the movie that it's remaking, so much so that 
modern unless you're like really into the thick of being a cinephile and like knowing everything there is to know about a movie you i, I believe you, we're supposed to be cinephiles well, so i'm just saying we do that's why we're disseminating this information i'm just saying that like some people might not even know that that movie was a remake to begin with you know what i'm saying was that movie a remake just a remake was it a remake or not? Hey, sing it away, Al. Was it a remake or was it not? Ah, yeah. Okay, Corey, what you got? 1983, Scarface. Now, subsequent Blu-ray release in like 2012 of Scarface included the original Scarface on it. Okay. So lots of movie fans at that point cemented in their minds that this was absolutely a remake of this film. A lot of people knew that to begin with, but I'm saying that Scarface in 1983 is the movie that people, when you say the, the word Scarface, people think of the Brian De Palma film starring Al Pacino Michelle Pfeiffer and Stephen Bauer. Well, of course. I mean, that's the only one there is, isn't it? No, it's not. Oh. Now, 1983 Scarface tells the story of a Cuban exile, Tony Montana, and his rise to become Miami's king of the cocaine mountain. But instead, dies an awful death and becomes an American hip-hop icon, Jeff. Yes. Fun fact. Cocaine Mountain, Jeff? Yes. What is it? It's the only officially recognized mountain in the state of Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know we have <laughs> listeners in Florida? I don't know if they'd like that. I think they would probably agree. <laughs> all right, all right. So the story the story goes that Pacino saw the original film and thought, "Damn, I want to be Al Capone," <laughs> but like with a Cuban accent. <laughs> okay. Scarface, the original, is a pre-code gangster film from 1932. The pedigree of this film, honestly, I'm I'm surprised that more people don't know it. Uh, it was written by Ben Hecht and produced by famed crazy person, Jeff. Um, Jack Nicholson. <laughs> Not in 1932. <laughs> <laughs> no, Howard Hughes. No way. Howard Hughes directed this film. In fact, the only reason they got the rights to do this film was because Howard Hughes died. <laughs> I could see that. I could see that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Howard Hughes died. And so the rights were up for grabs. Uh, Brian De Palma and then company sort of scooped it up. And uh, they made the 1983 version. <clears throat> now, at the end of the 1983 version, there is a dedication to Hawks and Hecht, but there is no dedication to Howard Hughes, even though the only reason they got the rights to the film is because he died. I don't know. Uh, it's a little bit of a slight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was not going to know, though. Um, interesting little tidbit about both of these movies. Uh, well, th- this movie stars. Excuse me. This movie stars Paul Mooney as uh, Tony Camonte, who's totally not Al Capone, <laughs> and his rise through the ranks of the Chicago crime world. So very different from the Miami crime world, I guess. But it is an official remake, so we do know that like the they changed it for the 1983 film to sort of update it to where the drugs were in 1983. <laughs> I guess <laughs> uh, it makes more sense that way. And plus, you know. Pacino really wanted to do a Cuban accent. <laughs> Terribly. <laughs> okay. Uh, but a fun a fun fact about this film 
is that or a fun fact about both the films that sort of is a link to them is that they were both they were both seen at the time as being crazily offensive films for the times. I have to say that I think this movie is not a remake. They updated it. They updated it. And honestly, like that's that's the way you want to go with remake, right? You want to bring it into another realm where you can update some ideas or change some ideas to make it fresh. Where some suffer is they try to hold tr- so true to the original. Like recently there's this movie that Guillermo del Toro just made called Nightmare Alley. Turns out that is a remake of a film from like uh, I want to say 1935 called Nightmare Alley. Right? Some of the pacing, some of the uh more shallow character arcs of some of the characters are more in line with a film from the 30s than they are from something that we would expect in today's audiences. So yeah, maybe flush it out a little more, add a new spin, give it a little more life and re- remake the movie and then you have something successful like the 1983 Scarface. Okay, well Corey, you said you've got some more, so hit us with your number 2 example. All right, so case in point 2 then, Jeff. Spaghetti Western from 1964, A Fistful of Dollars. No way are you saying that one of the pinnacles of male machismo from the 60s? 60s, 1964. Is a remake. This is Clint Eastwood's, like, this is what made Clint Eastwood the... Absolutely. This launched Clint Eastwood's career into the stratosphere. Yeah. Because you know why? He had a fucking fistful of dollars. (laughs) Yeah, he did. And no name. Exactly. (laughs) It's uh, directed by Sergio Leone. It stars Clint Eastwood, as we mentioned, as a nameless stranger who wanders into a totally not Italian western city (laughs) near the, (laughs) let's call it California and Mexico border. (laughs) where he trades secrets between feuding families before using his rifle to shoot a rope uh, that's hanging his friend who was being lynched by an angry mob of Wild West 'er ne'er-do-wells. He later escapes by being... Excuse me. He later escapes being shot by holding an iron plate under his poncho and escaping with Doc Brown so they can fix their time-traveling DeLorean and send them both back to the future. Or... I think you missed... Something. I think you uh, missed something in that in there. Something like that. I, I don't, there's, uh, the details are a little fuzzy. I haven't seen it in a while. I think, I think what you missed is that Biff Tannen actually comes out and stops. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Biff Tannen actually He's the one that shoots, shoots him. him. Yeah, yeah, he shoots yeah, yeah. Clint Eastwood. Yeah. yeah. And earlier in the film, he makes him dance. He makes him dance, yeah. yeah. yeah oh, yeah. yeah, you're right. It's not Biff Tannen. It's Mad Dog. It's Mad Dog. Mad Dog Tannen. But you don't call him Mad Dog. No, no, no. Don't mention Mad Dog. That'll make him mad as a dog. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, it's the first film in the quote-unquote Dollars trilogy or Man With No Name trilogy, the the ultimate spaghetti western trilogy. Um, good, the bad, the ugly. That yeah, The good, the bad, the ugly is the third installment, and a few do- for a few dollars more is the second one. It also introduced the world to the visual wonder of Sergio Leone's filmmaking style. And um, the music. And the music, yeah. Sergio Leone sort of explodes onto the scene, and everybody's like, yo, this film is beautiful. And if you didn't have that, you wouldn't have had uh, Quentin Tarantino. That's probably true to some extent, yeah. But it was a remake, Jeff. Now, it's controversial because it is not an official remake, or at least they didn't get any rights to remake this film from the original film. In 1961, Akira Kurosawa, a very famous (laughs) Japanese filmmaker, makes... Yojimbo. I think I'm saying that right. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. <laughs> hey, listeners. Jeff here from Switch the Envelope. 
The movie was not called Yo Jimbo. The correct pronunciation is Yo Jimbo. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled programming. It uh, it stars Toshiro Mifune as a wandering Ronin who comes to a small town with a raging war between rival crime lords. Very similar to a wandering outlaw who travels into a small town with feuding crime lords. <laughs> and then he kills a bunch of them and, you know, befriends one of them. And, you know, then he goes about his, his journey uh, wandering the West uh, or wandering Japan, you know. So very, very, very similar. There so was... you're saying that when Quentin Tarantino did Kill Bill, he wasn't really ripping off Sergio Leone. He was ripping off... Um, a previous movie that was that Sergio Leone ripped off. Quentin Tarantino is so meta; he's referencing all of them. <laughs> I think he's so meta that he's referencing the person that referenced the other person. Because he does this like Kill Bill has like Western themes in it. It also has uh, samurai themes in it. Well, it's, you all, know, like... it's all samurai, and if if they ripped off a story from another samurai story, that's what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's sort of splicing the two tales together to make Kill Bill. Yeah. Because he is that film fan. <laughs> yeah. Who's who's like, "Cool, we'll just take all the reference points and put them into into my film." <laughs> and honestly, good good on him. Although he does acknowledge it. That's the thing. The Sergio Leone and and the people in in Italy just stole this movie idea, basically. I wouldn't say that because I think that uh well, first of all, I'm calling shenanigans on this one also. Yeah. Because this feel also feels like a Point Break and Fast and Furious situation. Uh, you, you know what? Actually, okay, this so, one feels even more like it. So in, in that respect, yes, in that they did not give credit to the original that they were clearly ripping off Yeah, for, their, for their remake. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll give you that. Now, that, But there, there are some stories, anecdotally, that sort of help aid the claim that they did directly take Yojimbo's <laughs> plot and setup and just readapted into uh, a Western. At the time, in the 60s, American Westerns were sort of waning, and Italian filmmakers realized that in Europe, the Western was still a thriving genre. So a lot of Italian filmmakers started making these Westerns. And the Western was sort of revived, especially with the inclusion of famous you know, American actor like Clint Eastwood. The, the stories basically go that a bunch of these Italian filmmakers saw Yojimbo in the theaters in like 1963, late 1963, when it came to Italy. And immediately there was a buzz amongst the sort of director community and they kind of got together at various points and would brainstorm how, that they, how they would turn this samurai film into a Western. And then Sergio Leone saw the film and was like, yeah, I can do it. And then spent a month just fever dream writing <laughs> his adaptation of Yojimbo as a fistful of dollars and shot it and made it and then made two other films <laughs> and then got sued. And the lawsuit was settled out of court, but the uh, film company Toho, I believe that's I believe it is, sued you know, sued the Italian uh, filmmaker or the film production company that, that made a, f a fistful of dollars. And what it did, it was delayed the release of a fistful of dollars, 
It was made in. It was originally released in 1964 in Europe, in Italy. It wasn't released in the states until 1967, Jeff. By that time, they had already completed the other two movies in the trilogy. So when they were finally able to release these films into the U.S., they released them in subsequent order, back to back to back, like uh, Netflix just did with their um, Fear Street movies. It was like. This month, we're doing the first installment. The second month, we're doing another installment. The third month, we're doing another installment. And it's kind of the first version of what we now know as sort of like binge-watching, right? Definitely. And and because Clint Eastwood was in the cinemas for, you know, a long period of time in these movies that started to catch fire, that's what really sort of skyrocketed him into absolute fame in the U.S. He was all there was in 1967, <laughs> and all anybody could talk about were these these three films, and Clint Eastwood became huge as a result. You know. So your thesis on this is that these are good films, even though they're remakes. I'm saying that sometimes a remake gains more notoriety than the film that it's remaking, and so from that perspective, from a studio perspective, they want that. They want to recycle a property that they can then turn into a ton of cash. Well, Corey... And both of those films did. Even though you believe that these movies were great remakes, I don't even believe they were remakes, I'm going to give you some honorable mentions about bad ones that prove to everybody that the original is usually better than the remake. Well, there's there's plenty of those. (laughs) How how do you ever pick, Jeff? (laughs) I will have to preface my argument with one genre, and that is horror films. Once a studio knows that a horror film will make money, then just like the characters of those horror films, the movies and the franchises never die. Like ants to honey. Yep. Exactly. Halloween will always be remade. I don't don't care. That that movie is going to be constantly remade. Friday the 13th, Jason, it's going to be constantly remade. I mean, it's Scream. Is this? It's a remake. Scream is coming out. <laughs> they, right? they have. They have like it's. This, it's the same basic underlying setup, an unkillable sort of killer tormenting yes. teens. But it's not only that. I mean, all the house on the hill or mm. house at the bottom of the ocean or the house on turn the, at the turn the house at the, on the left. left or, yeah. <laughs> um, all these Annabelle and yeah. all these movies. Once you have a successful franchise, you will. They will keep making these movies over and over and over again. Yes. We're not going to touch the horror genre. No. Except. <laughs> There's one horror movie that they they tried to make that was a terrible remake, and that was Psycho. Ah, yes. They tried to do a shot-for-shot version of Psycho using, first of all, two actors who are not horror actors. They tried to use Vince Vaughn and Anne Hesch. We talked about this Hesch before. Hesch or Hesch? Hesch? Anne Hesch? Hesch or Anne Hesch? Hesch? I don't know. Okay. Well, they tried to use uh, Anne Hesch. They did a shot-for-shot remake meaning every single shot they had done was exactly the same shot that was used in the Alfred Hitchcock version. One problem being they didn't use black and white. This is true. They used color, which for some reason when you put it in color, it just doesn't have the same feel. Yes. And to be honest, I think this is a type of horror that no longer appeals to modern audiences. Yes. Well, and and part of it too is like cinematography. When Hitchcock does Hitchcock in that film, the way he frames the knife scene in the shower, the way he frames the stairs, the guy falling down the stairs, like the pacing on the landing uh, where he's carrying his mother from one room to, to the other. Like all of that shit was revolutionary cinematography. 
Like Hitchcock just just sort of invents cool ways to put a camera somewhere. Yeah, but in a time where the camera was not very mobile. Yeah, but you're a you're a cinematography nerd. I, I'm saying that you'll, that's, you'll, you'll 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 but you'll you'll admit to that. Yo, absolutely. But I'm saying like to the person who's just sitting there watching it. There's something about uh, watching an updated Hitchcock film. The fear is not there anymore because the Hitchcock films from back then were all suspense. They were revolutionary for their time. Yes. But now you can't have Psycho compared to like fucking Halloween. It doesn't work. Well, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, in, You have to update the movie. In the Gus Van Sant version, you try to do all the same shot-for-shot shot remakes, but the <clears throat> the appeal of it wears very thin because you're just copying another master. And it's very clearly that clear that you're just copying another master as opposed to trying to make his own film. Yeah, like, you know, re bring Psycho up to a new audience. Cuz like we don't need a shot for shot remake. We no. can just go watch fucking Psycho. <laughs> exactly. So why would you do that? You need your own film. Yeah. It's like it's like when people do remakes of songs. A cover song is only really good when you've done it your own way. The complete own spin. With yeah. your own perspective and your own spin on it. It's not done if you can do yeah, it absolutely. exactly the way another artist does it. Just go listen to the original artist. Okay, but I'm only going to do two examples because you were right. There's tons of examples of terrible remakes. So here's my second one. Every Robin Hood film ever. <laughs> I don't know why. There was an original Robin Hood done in, like, the fucking 30s. There was a Robin Hood's done from the dawn of cinema. Yeah, I think yeah. it was one of the first There's films like ever done. There's, like, silent films with Robin yes. Hood. There's, yeah. And I don't know why, but they're all shit. <laughs> you, don't, you don't like Errol Flynn as the... Uh... I think Errol Flynn was probably the only Robin Hood that did a good Robin Hood. <laughs> because he didn't talk? <laughs> and every single other one was absolute shit. No, because I think they, they, because they, uh, they portray it in uh, The Rocketeer. Mm. Well, you know what? I, I think I think the Arrow <laughs> Flynn stuff, like, it's a lot more swashbuckly. Like that was yeah. the style back then. There, there's a lot more sort of flair to it. It feels more like a stylized mythology, right? Yeah. That I think adds a charm to it that is a little bit campy to today's standards, but I think I, it works. I, I I agree with you. It, I think it, Robin it Hood, works. Prince of Thieves, is the closest thing. Because even though Kevin Costner is totally walking through the part, oh, he's he's phoning that in. He's totally phoning it in. He doesn't even try an accent. Everybody <laughs> around him is British, but for some reason he's not. But it has. <laughs> you can see. Hold on. You can see Morgan Freeman like give up mid scene sometimes, where he's just like, "Oh, we're not doing it today, Kevin." Okay. All right. But with the exception of how bad Kevin Costner is in that film. The rest of the people in that film are fucking awesome. Even Christian Slater. Fucking Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman, Morgan Freeman, Little John. I don't know who it is, but he's great. Yes. Everybody in the movie's great. And the way they portray like the the witch and the Celts and they're all great. The problem is But it's Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah. But I can get past that because the rest of the movie's really great. However, the newest one with Taryn Edgerton, mm -hmm. where they're like Special forces, but they're back in the day. Yeah, with they've like, got like repeating crossbows and yeah, shit, and, and like Fox body is, armor. They're like it, seal, seal Team uh, Nottingham. Yeah, they're like I don't they're know like the doing parkour on. through the castle. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, what right, the it was fuck? very parkour. It's yeah. weird. Yeah, and then and then when he comes down and jumps on the piano and starts playing Yellow Brick Road, it's real <laughs> weird. <laughs> you know, but they did it for 
for the love of the music, Jeff. Got, got it, got it. <laughs> they just needed to sing. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm with you. They could stop making Robin Hoods. I mean, like uh, Gladiator guy with Russell Crowe made a made a Robin Hood that was yeah. also trash. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah. well, it just I, I, stop tr- making Robin Hood tra- movies. Trash is is a, a a strong word. It was just mediocre. Like they don't really need to keep making Robin Hood movies. And I I I just honestly believe that I I can go I can just go down the list of bad remakes. We've got recently Red Dawn, Point Break, <laughs> Total Recall. Right? Three movies right that's just three movies right there. But Although the original was better. The original is better, just leave it as it is. I'm just saying that like sometimes yeah, remakes suck. And I, I really am on the, the the page that a lot of the remakes are not good. But there are enough remakes that are good that do sort of eclipse their predecessor. But I will I will say that because Count of Monte Cristo, which is the first movie made not entirely in California, but the first ma- movie to be made in California was a remake of a movie made in 1908, mm-hmm. two years earlier. Yeah. And its remake, The Count of Monte Cristo, <laughs> made in like the 90s. Hey, Switches, Jeff here. The Count of Monte Cristo, starring Guy Pierce and Jim Caviezel, was actually made in 2002. And now we return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Is one of my favorite movies. You have a point that remakes are not always bad. No, I mean, look, Little Shop of Horrors is a remake. the uh, The nineteen eighty two version is a remake of a Roger Corman movie from nineteen sixty, starring a very young actor named Jack Nicholson in one of his first roles. Yes. And that is an adaptation of a stage play. So, like, yeah, it works. It works sometimes. Yeah, I, I'm not sure that we're going to settle the debate on whether or not, you know, remakes are valid in Hollywood. No, we're not. But we can have you settle the debate yeah. on our Twitter feed. It looks like we're getting running out of time. But, uh, Corey, why don't you tell everybody how they can talk about this with us and continue the conversation? Yeah, pick a side. If, if you think that there's enough good remakes out there to justify studios continuing to throw as many darts as they can at the board... Uh, or if you think that they really should should stick to original ideas for a while and, and try to come up with some some cool new stuff, hit us up on Twitter, at Switch Envelope, or on Instagram, at Switch the Envelope. Of course, you can always listen to us wherever you get podcasts, subscribe, uh, or go to switchtheenvelope.com for all your Switch the Envelope needs. And what Jeff was mentioning before is we are trying to send you to the movies. Your next movie could be on us. That's right, Corey. Just go on to any of your podcast platforms and leave us a five-star review and then leave the keyword of banana hammock. That's right. You heard it correctly. Leave the keyword banana hammock and we could send you to the movies with a $40 Fandango card. This promotion will be going on for probably another month, so please get out there and leave us a review. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you next time on Switch the Envelope. Banana Hammock.